Welcome to this abbreviated worship service provided by St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbonnais and Kankakee. I'm Pastor Mike Hanel. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a sermon, the Lord's Prayer, and receive a benediction. But before that, a few quick announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. For all of you who have been listening to our radio broadcast on WKN Radio, you should now have realized that our broadcast is now at 9.30 Sunday morning. We hope that this time change will make it even easier for you to join us in this time around God's Word. Last weekend, November 14th and 15th, we at St. Paul's decided to suspend our in-person weekend worship services due to the surge in COVID-19 cases. As of this recording, it's not yet clear if we will resume in-person worship services for the following week. Your best place for current, up-to-date information is to go to our website, stpaulslutheran.net, and click the COVID-19 response link at the top of the page. Otherwise, you're welcome to call the church office to find out the latest information. Even if we do make the decision to cancel in-person worship services, you will still be able to access our online worship services anytime. To do so, simply go to our webpage, stpaulslutheran.net, and click Worship on the menu. And keep up with us on our Facebook page for more information of any changes that may become necessary. We pray that you are blessed by the Lord's words this day. Dear friends, in our readings today, we have this thought about prayer and calling out to God as Father. And so let's take a look at those. From Romans 8, Paul writes, For you do not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you receive the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel, according to St. Luke, the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, 
For we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. And then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend. And he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me, the door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't, I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. May God's grace, mercy, and peace be yours this day in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text for the message comes from our Gospel reading from Luke chapter 11. Let us pray. Abba, Father, we come into your presence with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. Bless our time with you in prayer. Strengthen us to keep on praying and to bring requests and praise before your throne. May the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our maker and our redeemer. Amen. My dear friends in Christ, uh, the story's told that there were three pastors meeting together and they started talking about prayer in general and as well as they were talking about the appropriate and effective positions uh, uh, for prayer. And as they were talking back in the background, there was a telephone repairman that was working on the phone system and, and one minister said that he felt that the hands were the key, uh, that they always had to hold his hands together and had them pointed up or as a form of worship. Second suggested that real prayer was conducted on your knees in all humility and adoration. Uh, the third one said, no, 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 they both had it wrong. The only position worth its salt was to pray while you were stretched out flat on your face. And by this time, the repairman couldn't stay out of the conversation any longer. And he said, you know, I've, I found the most powerful prayer I ever made was when I was dangling upside down by my heels from a power pole 40 feet up in the air. <laughs> What's a proper way to pray? That's what the men were arguing about. Do we have to fold our hands just right? Does the person have to kneel to be heard? Should we lay down in utter humility before God? Honestly, I don't think the Lord really cares. He doesn't care if we kneel, sit, or stand. He doesn't care what we do with our head or our hands. He doesn't care if our eyes are open or closed. When the disciples ask Jesus to teach them how to pray, he doesn't give them specific guidelines for proper prayer posture, but he does give them, and he gives you and me, some guidance as to what really is a, a good prayer. Prayer is a gift from God. Prayer is a, an act of worship. Uh, in which we talk with God in, in words and in thoughts. No request is too big, no, no petition too small. 
And since prayer is such a blessing, since the Lord commands Christians to pray, since God promises that the prayer of a, or the righteous man is powerful and effective, there's really absolutely no reason to hold back in prayer. And that's why we've been studying prayer and putting it into practice these past uh, 40 days in this study, Draw the Circle, learning to, as, as, as we learned in the study, to dream big, to pray hard, and to think long. But sometimes it's very hard to pray. We don't know what to say. We don't know how to pray. And yet if we admit to these fears about prayer, <clears throat> a lot of times we feel spiritually inadequate before a holy and righteous God. In the gospel reading from Luke chapter 11, the disciples asked Jesus specifically, Lord, teach us to pray, just like John taught his disciples. And so we close our, our study on prayer, but it's a reminder, though, that the praying continues after this is over. We take a look at what we've learned and what it means for the future. We're going to take a look at what I'm terming the four R's of prayer. A lot of people have clever ways of remembering things, right? Mnemonic devices. Uh, children are often taught to remember the, the colors of the rainbow by that memory device, right? Roy G. Biv. Uh, the fictitious Mr. Biv's name is broken down for the colors red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet, right? A little girl had a way of remembering the great prayer Jesus taught in Luke. As her Sunday school was ending one week, she was asked to close the class in prayer, and she says, well, I'd like to use the train prayer. And the teacher was a little confused and said, the train prayer? Yeah, the train prayer, she said. You know, where Jesus says, and lead us not into Penn Station. <laughs> well, I guess it worked for her. As we look at the gospel, though, it moves us from the Lord's Prayer into really a deeper discussion a description of prayer led by our Lord. And by that way, it does not turn, uh, it, uh, it does not turn up, uh, uh, that, that part does not turn up in Matthew, in which the Lord's Prayer is also uh, recorded. Now, the first R, I think, would be ritual. Sort of like that little girl, unknowingly engaging in ritual as she recited, and lead us not into Penn Station, right? It's cute, there's humor in it, but it's important. We need ritual, don't we? Even in our faith life. Certainly across the Christian church, there's a varying degree of ritual in prayer. Here in Luke, unlike in Matthew, Jesus responds to the request of, Lord, teach us how to pray. The disciples wanted, needed some sort of, 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 of sensible, integrated prayer that they could easily remember. Jesus responds with this great prayer, not solely because it falls from his lips, but great because it's so compact, yet so full of what needs to be said. Some people think prayer should have no structure at all, but prayer needs to have some ritual for us so we can easily remember it, so we can fall back on it in times of stress and trouble. And so we can refocus our lives when, when things sort of stray off course. In this prayer, we find exactly what we need to get back on track. Focus, purpose, acknowledgement. We focus on our Father, understanding that our purpose is to bring in God's kingdom, not ours, right? That God's kingdom would come. 
God's will would be done, not ours. Acknowledging that he's the one that gives us that daily sustenance, as, as we recall, who really is in charge. The ritual of recitation pulls us back from the brink of focusing just on us. It tears us away from that illusion that we're the ones in charge. Enables us to take a spiritual breather, maybe find some new energy when we feel dried up and blown away as Elijah's valley of dried bones. And it's true that the Lord's Prayer can seem like a worn-out recipe, retired slogan. We might be tempted to think, well, shall I just run through it on autopilot? I mean, it's boring, maybe a little childish. And yet, when we need this ritual, how comforting this is. Ritual is okay. The disciples, developing Christians though they were, needed that prayer because it was quick and easy. It helped them develop their faith. But Jesus went on to help expand their understanding of prayer's importance. Prayer is not just ritual, because secondly, prayer can also serve as a reminder. Jesus wanted to alert the disciples and us that prayer reminds us of God's goodness. It reminds us of his promise to care for us. And so in this excellent fashion, he gives us this great parable. The persistent man who, who knocks on a friend's door because he needs bread for an arriving traveler. It reminds us that we must keep on praying, that we might never give up. It reminds us that God is good, that he will give us what is good, that his answers to our prayers are not going to hurt us, although they might not always be the answers we want to hear. And so prayer serves both as a ritual and reminder. When things are tough, when the spiritual drought seems unending, dig up that Lord's Prayer and go through the ritual. But realizing that God is with you, reminding yourself that God is with you in that prayer, in all your prayers, we're reminded by this prayer and parable that we have a loving parent who does listen to us, who does care, who does act. That reminder was expressed by someone who said, prayer is not a garage from which we borrow God's tools, take home and work on our own problems. Prayer is submitting to the master mechanic for him to do the repairs. And so we've taken a look at the fact that ritual of prayer gives us comfort and soothes us. We've also learned that there is that reminder that God is that caring father. It goes a long way in helping us pray with devotion and zeal. But Jesus finishes this discourse reminding us that the God who provides, the God who comforts, thirdly, is the God who also rejuvenates and revives us, right? And so the pattern of Jesus' teaching begins to emerge. There's a prayer to fall back on, right? To rely on as a ritual memory exercise for times of stress as a way of remaining in touch with God. He's also reminding us that God is always there to care for us and gives us what is good for us. We can also then be rejuvenated or, or revived by God's spirit each day as we spend time with our Lord God in prayer. In our lives, we, we get so beaten down by the devil by the world, by our own sinful nature, that we need to be picked up. We need to be revived, don't we? I uh, came across that story uh, uh, similar to the devotion, the story that was in the devotion on, 
on day seven. And it goes like this, that there was a drought-stricken town in Texas and things were desperate. And so the, the leaders of the town called on the preacher to have a special prayer meeting to, to pray to God Almighty to, to have rain. And so everyone gathered that evening in church, packed tighter than a can of sardines. And so as the story goes, the preacher came out and all set to do the service. And, and as he approached the pulpit and, and looked out on the crowd, he looked out and said, well, folks, I think we need to go home. Not, no sense in praying today. Not one of you brought an umbrella. <laughs> the Lord's Prayer encompasses those things of ritual, reminder, rejuvenation, or being revived. But the last R connects us to our study. In Draw the Circle, there's a, a ripple effect to our prayers. What happens with a ripple, right? There's that impact like a stone in a pond, and, and there's that reaction of waves from that point that travel far beyond the original impact. The idea that God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. I mean, you, so, you, so your prayers right now, let's say, uh, uh, to change the hardened hearts of this generation, maybe they'll impact your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. That prayer that uh, may, may be a blessing to a missionary working in an area of hopelessness. His lives are touched. His lives are changed. You're never really going to know the impact of your words, your deeds, your prayers. That is until you come face to face with your Savior. Does the impact of our prayers and God's answer to those prayers stop when we stop praying? I hope not. I pray for many things and I know he wants to hear the concerns and worries on my heart. Let's say that our prayers for our ministry through our school continue to touch lives for generations. We've got generations of students that have been touched with the love of Jesus here. Let's think about our, our prayers for our ministry with Fortitude Community Outreach. I mean, God is answering those prayers and changing the lives of people who have not yet come into our doors also changing the hearts of people who are going to help with this ministry from years to come. There's a ripple effect for our prayers. All right, I'm a bit on a roll here, so here's some more thoughts. I guess we could use a fifth R <laughs> on prayer reflection. Let me share some final reflections on prayer as we conclude, continue on after this study. In the last session, uh, we heard him say on the DVD that, that a no from God is as gracious as a yes. I think that's an important truth in our lives. Throughout this story, there were lots of examples of bold and amazing answers to prayer. But perhaps you've prayed a prayer that's gone unanswered. Maybe you've prayed for intervention and nothing seems to happen. Sometimes there is a no. Looking at, God, at God's answers to our prayer, maybe like in a uh, <clears throat> child-parent relationship, I, I remember uh, my parents saying no to a lot of my requests. <laughs> at the time, I didn't understand why they said no. Maybe questioned them, even told them I didn't think they were, they were right. Sometimes they said, wait a while, wait till you're older. Again, I didn't agree. 
I couldn't see why they answered that way. But if sinful parents do this because they love their children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give what is good because of his never-ending perfect love for you and me? At the time, we may not understand why our request is knocked down. We may not understand God's answer, but only believe that when God says no, he does so in love. What's more, God, who is all-knowing and all-wise, he can see the bigger picture much better than we can. I mean, a lot of times we can't understand. We, 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 we don't know what's happening. We, we think that we, we know that it's painful, even though it's not the course that we desire, even though we can't imagine what good would come from these things. We can trust a God who loves us, especially the promise of love made in our baptism. We can trust him because of his wisdom and power that is far greater than ours. He's able to bring blessings from our adversities. It was said many times about prayer that, uh, prayer that to talk about praying according to God's will versus our will. I came across a story about prayer that I thought was interesting that, that there was this ancient monk who came to the conclusion that he needed some oil, so he planted an olive sapling. <clears throat> and he prayed, Lord, it needs rain so its tender shoots can drink and swell. Send the gentle showers. Well, the showers watered the seed and it began to grow. He prayed, Lord, my tree needs sun. Send sunshine, I pray thee. And the, tree, and the sun shined brightly. Then the monk cried out, now frost, my Lord, to brace its tissues and make it stronger. And so, behold, the little tree stood uh, sparkling with frost. But at evening, it died. The monk looked out uh, for the help of a brother monk, and he told his strange experience. And the brother monk replied, I too planted a little tree. And look, it thrives. It thrives well. He said, but I entrusted it to God. He who made it knows better what it needs than a man like me. I didn't lay any conditions down. I fixed no ways or means. I prayed, Lord, send what it needs. Storm, sunshine, wind, rain, or frost, you made it. You know what it needs. God indeed knows what is needed in our lives. We can pray, but pray resting in God's care knowing that God's will is the thing that needs to be done. Even though we might get a no or wait, God wants us still to be persistent in prayer. He doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, uh, keep on asking because God's deaf. <laughs> he doesn't say, uh, keep on seeking because God doesn't care. He doesn't say, keep on knocking because God is not paying attention. I mean, this is Almighty God, the one who willingly sends his son to die on the cross and saving you and me. God cares more about you than you can possibly imagine. He is more attended to your needs than you could ever dream he would be. When you pray, even the simplest prayer, 